Welcome to Trap Talks. My name is Sushant. I am an e-commerce entrepreneur and each week we bring an inspiring entrepreneur or business person from e-commerce, retail or tech industries to help you discover how to start and grow your own e-commerce business. Thanks for spending some time with me today and let's get started. Hey there, entrepreneurs. My name is Sushant and welcome to Trep Talks. This is the show where I interview successful entrepreneurs, business executives, and thought leaders and ask them questions about their business story and also dive deep into some of the strategies and tactics that they have used to start and grow their businesses. And today I'm really excited to welcome Sippy Gross. Sippy is a former nuclear power engineer turned serial entrepreneur. Sorry, I think um, that's not me. <laughs> that's not you? <laughs> no. <laughs> I I actually interviewed someone on my podcast who's a former nuclear power engineer, but that's not okay. me. <laughs> okay, that's good. Uh, but she is the founder of Hawa Tribe, <laughs> which offers trendy, comfortable apparel for the active mom, uh, which includes maternity and nursing-friendly clothing. Sippy is also a business uh, and life coach and is also the host of a podcast called The Greatness Tribe, with Sippy Gross, and you can find that on Apple Podcasts. And today, I want to ask Sippy a few questions about her startup story, uh, starting Hawa Tribe, and some of the strategy, strategies and tactics that she has used to grow her e-commerce business. So um, even after that, a little bit of a mistake. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining Trip Talks today. Really appreciate Thank it. you so much for having me. I, you know what? I've been doing this for a long time, and I know that we all, you know, we have so much stuff going on. And there's a lot of information. So thanks for having me. I'm really excited. Yeah. So I was doing research on your bio, and and I found this, and I was really impressed. You know, you know, nuclear <laughs> nuclear scientist turned entrepreneur. <laughs> that's wow. so interesting. I actually interviewed a nuclear scientist a couple of weeks ago. So that's really funny. But you know, it must be a serendipitous <laughs> way for us to have met each other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so the first segment is called The Story, and in this segment, um, I want to ask you a few questions about your story, your entrepreneurial story, and, and um, yeah, learn about how you got started. So uh, why don't you share a little bit about, you know, your motivation behind starting Hawa Tribe, like what is your startup story? Yeah. Um, okay. So several years ago, I actually had a baby, and I realized that in my area, you know, like in my um, space, there was not much clothing made for women who had babies who are looking to breastfeed. There's definitely, um, I dress modestly, and there's definitely not anything in the modest world. And even, you know, in the just plain uh, regular world, there was not very much. So I decided to just jump right into it. Um, it was a decision that was also made. I had a background of, like you said, like a, being a business coach. So I knew like how to start up. I had started several businesses. This was something new. It was exciting. It was different and it was not anything I've ever done before. So I was like, let's go do this. <laughs> so what interested you about e-commerce specifically? So that's a really good question. Before e-commerce, I had done a lot of like selling just to one-off customers, like in person, like I had done a lot of catering and selling food products. And I really was looking for ways to scale. That's not just like, you know, you make something, you sell something. I wanted something that you could do and reach a much larger audience. But the real truth is I wasn't actually interested in e-commerce. I was just really passionate about creating this clothing for people because of, it was a real need. Like it, I really felt that there was a community that needed to be served. 
So that just led me down this rabbit hole. I wasn't specifically looking to start a business or to start e-commerce. So you identified a pain point because that is something yes. that you you felt. Um, I mean, I would have assumed that in the market, you know, the, the big uh, stores and things like that, um, the maternity clothing would be, you know, everywhere because that's, that's like a common need for women. Um, yes, what is. specifically was about, you know, the, the clothing that you are selling, like what is, uh, what differentiates that from what else is available in the market? Yeah, like what you said, Sushant, actually, there's a lot of maternity wear out there. But once a woman is done having the baby, there's not very much knowledge or education or clothing given to a person, you know, at that stage. So that's like really kind of like an underserved community. At this stage, people are doing it more and more. But when I was starting, there was just not really anything. So um, women just, you know, who, who want to uh, breastfeed their child, they just need to have different kinds of clothing so that they have different accessibility, especially out in public. And I, I didn't find that. So it's, it's definitely a specific pain point, like you said. Okay. Uh, now, as a business owner, you, you're doing multiple things right now. Um, so you have your e-commerce store, you have your uh, podcast that you do, you have your business and, uh, you know, coaching that you do. How do you, like, what does your uh, day look like? And you're also a mom and wife and everything else. How do you balance everything? And what does your general day, like, look like managing everything? Yeah, um, that's a really great question, too, because I think that as especially as startup entrepreneurs, we tend to just like get up in the morning and start just doing things because a lot of us are solopreneurs. We have a lot on our plate. So, you know, you might get up in the morning and start with your email funnels and then you might go take inventory, check on the shipping and things like that. Um, over the course of the past several years, I've really, really outsourced most of everything in my e-commerce business, including the email market funnels. Like I, I still like oversee everything, but I've really like that has, I would say has been one of my biggest strengths is like, I really enjoy like bringing different people onto the team. So at this point, my day is mostly filled doing the coaching and consulting. That's what I enjoy the very, very most. Um, when I was just starting the Hava Tribe company, I also was focused on what I enjoy the most, which was a lot of the social media, the design elements. So um, I really try and encourage also my clients to keep your day as busy with the things that you really, really love than, you know, just the random busy work. And, and what are some of the things that you do as an entrepreneur, as a person to, to continue to grow as an entrepreneur? Like, um, you know, for example, reading books, do you have coaches? Do you, uh, how do you continue to grow um, being an entrepreneur? This is a really important point. I think this is the most important point. I think that this is something that is not taught to entrepreneurs when they start, which is personal growth and development is what is going to set apart the successful people from the people who are just trying and kind of spinning their wheels and hustling. Anybody who takes time and really devotes to like what you said, books and reading and learning and courses and coaching will go a lot, a lot farther. So yes, I do a lot of that stuff. Do you want to know like specifics or you just want to know? Well, I know, I know that uh, I'm going to ask you about the book, uh, you know, your book recommendations later on, sure. but um, do you have like uh, coaches that you work with or? Oh yeah. I I believe very much in working with coaches and I also believe in join, taking courses. Like I know that these days we are all like kind of inundated with courses, but I also like 
would encourage everybody to join a course that's not only only business related because we're all taking like business courses. So like if you take something that's like also something that's more enjoyable, like I think a lot, like my angle really, a lot of people are, just want to learn about the area that they're passionate, that they're, that they're working in. So if you're in e-commerce, you might take a lot of courses in e-commerce. And I think as, and recommend, you know, in, in the area, like what you've talked about, which is personal growth is take courses in things that you're interested in that are not related to e-commerce or not related to business, just to like grow as a person so that you bring so much more to the table than just that business knowledge. So yes, I use, I read a lot of books. Yes. I take courses in e-commerce and other platforms and also just in other things that I enjoy, maybe painting, uh, maybe reading. Like I've been taking like a speed reading course recently because I want to be able to read and consume more information. Um, I would do anything that like, just like jogs my interest at the moment, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I take courses also like oh, some, the, 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 some, yeah, some of the course platforms like Coursera and edX, but um, there are so many course platforms out there uh, right now. There, um, are. Now, there are. Now, now we're going to move on to, to our next segment, which is called the business. And in this segment, I'm going to ask you a few more questions uh, about your business and some of the strategies and tactics that you've used to grow your business. So with with Hawa Tribe, um, yeah, you you mentioned that you know you created this segment that was underserved. Um, was there an idea validation process? Like, how did you yes. how did you know that uh, the pain point that you were experiencing was was not your specifically, but it was right. something that was uh, out there also? And very important because a lot of us, you know, just start pouring money into an idea that we just think is a good idea. How do we know that it's actually valid? Yes, I actually tested the market. Um, I, I interviewed about 100 different women in my target demographic. And then I just asked them, like, what are your pain points around this area? And they were all like, oh my gosh, are you thinking of starting a company like this? Because if you are, please sign me up. So then I already knew that there were people interested and that got, you know, my juices flowing. But after that, I also put up a landing page because I needed to see if people are going to put down their money, you know, even if they think it's a great idea, will they pay for it? So I put up a landing page. I had some friends post about it in different various Facebook groups for moms, you know, just letting, putting the word out. And within a couple of days, we had sold out on all of my sample units. I think I had about a hundred sample units. So when I saw that they were selling and also when I got feedback from the people who had bought the units that were like, oh my God, I've been looking for this for so many years. Thank you so much. Like, I love this. What else do you sell? Then I kind of knew that that was a time to move forward. And this, this landing page was more, more of an e-commerce landing page, like uh, on a platform like Shopify or. Uh, it was literally, I was, I was so technologically inept at the time. It was a screenshot of my Shopify store where I actually forgot to um, edit out the battery amount on top, like how much my battery was like really <laughs> low on my phone. So like people like message me and they're like, Hey, like cute idea. Just like wanted to tell you that your battery is running really low and you could see it on your ad. It's kind of like not professional. And I'm saying this like on purpose. Um, so it was a screenshot of like, you know, whatever it was that I had on my Shopify site that my friend's husband, like he had like a MailChimp account. So he like knew how to make flyers and he like made some sort of link. I don't even know what it was anymore at this point. It was some sort of like embed somewhere, totally not professional. And I'm saying that because like so many people like go crazy trying to make everything really, really perfect from the outset and just, you know, spend so much time behind the scenes on the graphic design and stuff like that. And like, I really believe that you just need to get a proof of concept and see if it works. So like with my horrible 
actual landing page that was not even a real landing page and very unprofessional. We still like sold everything out and like started a whole business. So that's why I'm sharing that story. Yeah, I think I think that's a message that a lot of entrepreneurs who are just starting out need to listen because the first instinct is to be perfect, like do everything oh, perfectly. Yeah. And, and that's yeah. that's a big mistake, I think. Yeah. Um, s- starting a clothing business, um, how do you like, you know, if I, if I today think that even if I have identified, you know, that uh, there's, there's a market mm-hmm. for, for a certain clothing and there's a gap in the market. Yeah. I wouldn't know where to be. Like, can you sh- share like some of those first steps, some of those yeah. first decisions when you were starting out, like to say, you know, I want to start a clothing, but like, where do you start? Okay. This is also a hilarious story. And I'm so glad you asked because also I just want to give like everybody permission that like if you have a will, there is a way. Okay. I knew nothing about clothing. My sister was super into clothing and I kind of was inspired by her and kind of thought like I could do it if she could do it. But I knew nothing about clothing. And especially the clothing that we have have like special features. You have to open it a certain way. It has to have a closure. So I didn't know what to do, but I actually was taking Steve Chu's course. Um, If people know who he is, he's got a great like e-commerce, you know, platform where he teaches people how to start their own businesses. So he taught us how to find Alibaba, you know, vendors and suppliers and stuff like that. That's how I started. I just went on to Alibaba and started looking for different vendors that I thought, you know, had good ratings and were responding well and stuff like that. Then I had videos that I made of myself, like I would like cut clothing, put like safety pin zippers on. I would use tissue paper as layers just to show them. And like, I do not know why they took me seriously because I was showing like, um, again, it was like really, really, really homemade, very unprofessional, not at all, you know, what you would expect for a fashion designer. Uh, My daughter would sometimes be the model and I would be like explaining the closures to the vendors, like as she's wearing like, you know, uh, layers that we're putting on her and, you know, putting makeshift snaps and stuff. So it was really, really a homemade project. And it was like amazing to see that when it came, when the products came, they were amazing. (laughs) And we were like, wow, like, you know, we just, we just kept at it. I didn't just, I didn't like, you know, I think like I could have been like, okay, I'm going to first go to fashion school and then I'm going to take a couple of courses and wait a couple more years. But I was like, no, this needs to be out in the marketplace now. So like, how can we make that happen? And that's, that's honestly how it happened. And, and actually when, when you were talking about it, it, it reminded me of the story of Spanx by Sarah Blakely. And I think she, she did something very, very similar, not, you know, just uh, building the prototype and, and trying to see, you know, the working right. with the manufacturer. <laughs> um, so where um, are, were you working with these uh, manufacturers within uh, U.S. or was it like someone overseas? At the time, it was all done overseas. That was, I don't live like in an area where there's a lot of manufacturing in person. So I was going to have to start traveling anyways. I decided to just take it over to China because they have the bandwidth and they're, you know, very educated in this area already. Since then, we have brought a lot of our manufacturing back to the U.S. and it's pretty much split now 50-50. And did you have to visit China in order to work? I didn't. I actually had a much easier time working with China than I did in the U.S. actually. I mean, that's a very interesting topic. I'm always, you know, I want to bring some items from China. Like what and and the the biggest challenge that I face is like the the language barrier. How do you overcome oh. that? 
Yeah. Well, you know, as the prices of China go up, it's kind of like less and less worth it to work with China. But the the pe- they have been doing this for so long, especially people who are on these kind of e-commerce platforms or are with the time. So they're looking, you know, for American vendors or European, you know, like anybody who kind of knows the market. They usually have one person on their team who's really, really good with English. Um, I do know people who work with vendors who are not good with English and they just do a lot of like video communication, like showing pictures and samples and models and sending stuff back and forth. So it's definitely, you can do it um, for sure. You yeah, know, I mean, it's I, a lot easier than it seems. I have actually tried it. And uh, number one, I think there's a bit of a time difference that, so yes. you have to, you have to work at night with them. And yes. uh, the other thing, a lot of times, even when the person who speaks English, like when you're communicating, sometimes things get lost in translation. Oh, definitely. 100%. So did you have to go like through some, um, like, did you go through multiple manufacturers and, and, and vet them out and find the, the right one? Or did you just get lucky to, you know, find You know, um, we did get fortunate with the first ones that we had because I was very careful about, um, I, I in general like to, you know, teach this to my clients, at, you know, all across the board. But like, if you trust your gut, then oftentimes your gut is right. I mean, always it's right. So um, we did a bit more of an extensive vetting process before actually taking you know, before we actually made our first samples. And I really made sure that the people that I was working with were kind and um, they cared a lot about their customers and like, you know, I would ask them about their other customers and they wouldn't show me the other customers work. And I saw that the time was important to them, timing and quality. So um, that took a little bit longer, you know, just vetting them up front, but I got a really good feeling about them. And um, then it was kind of, it worked really well from there. And this was uh, through Alibaba. Yeah, that was and, through Alibaba. And and you looked at like the there. I know in on Alibaba there's like different uh, things that you look at to see if a vendor has worked with other people and things like yes. that. So you did look at those kind of statistics. Well, there's Alibaba, and then there's also like Panjiva. So it, I mean, I didn't know about Panjiva at the time, and I didn't actually look until later to find out that a lot of my competitors actually use the same company, the same factory that I was using in China. I only found that Mm -hmm. out afterwards, but at this point, I feel like that's a great tool. So people could already find out, you know, who has the good quality and who people are already working with and start there already. But um, I think now Panjiva, like if you, if you want to use it, there's like a big, like at least some significant fee that you have to pay. Okay. To I, don't, I haven't used it in the past couple, okay. like the past like six months or so. So I don't know. So you, you might be right about that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I know that I used it a few years ago and it was like, you could use it, but now I think you, even to use it, you have to pay, pay upfront. Um, now, before you, you did use that. You're really great at, you know, um, uh, delegating and, and building a team so that you have, you can open up your time. Could you yes. please share a little bit, you know, how, what your team looks like? Um, is it all like virtual? Uh, is it in US or other countries? How do you actually build this team? And, you know, what is your process like? Yeah. Um, so, okay. I, and again, this is individual to each person, but for me, what worked the best for me was first having somebody come in and help me with actual packaging and shipping of orders. Um, I found that my time would be better used 
focusing on the business, like growth strategy, things like that, than just sitting and packaging. Um, although sometimes I do enjoy doing stuff like that, sending little notes to my customers, things like that. Um, so that was stage one for me. And then stage two was really just finding specialists in each, so in each area. So like if I was going to use an e-commerce, uh, sorry, an email marketing assistant, I would find somebody who's had experience with that. I have, I've, I like to test things on myself because I give recommendations, you know, in my coaching company. Um, I have tested working with Americans, you know, locally or working with people overseas. And I've, you know, I found like it's very split. I, I do find, um, like I've gotten so much good help online overseas, like really, really, really caring people, really wonderful, um, really affordable. So that's kind of my area of choice you know, for sure, for starting entrepreneurs, because it's people who are like specializing, whereas mm. um, locally, I think people want like more of like a full time kind of job. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And this is through Upwork or? Um... So I love FreeUp. Um, Steve True recommends them. I met them at a summit and I really, really like working with them because they vet out their people in advance. They only take 1% of the applicants and they stand behind their work. So if there's ever, you know, any issue. So I have worked with Upwork and Fiverr and all those things, but I have been much happier with FreeUp. FreeUp. Okay. I, I, I never heard of that. Oh, they're really great. I, they used to spell their name with three E's. I believe it's two now, but you would have to look it up because it's kind of like automated in my computer now. Okay. Okay. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, now we're going to move on to our next segment, which is called the digital. And in this segment, I want to ask you a few more questions about your digital strategy and your digital marketing uh, strategy. So um, could you please share um, out of all the different digital marketing channels, what has worked really well for you uh, in terms of like customer acquisition and also, uh, you know, repeat sales? For me specifically, social media marketing has been the most effective, specifically Instagram. And I would say that retargeting is by far our biggest, uh, you know, cup of tea for sure. So re retargeting would be someone comes to your store, uh, they don't yes. buy, they, they leave, but then now you're showing them um, ads on Different Facebook ads. And, and, and other uh, sites. Yes. Yes. For my company specifically, for my company specifically, getting leads from um, word of mouth influencers has been the most efficient and Facebook ad follow-up has been fantastic. You know, we do also, you know, email follow-up, I should have not leave that out, uh, but you know, we, we really do a bunch of stuff. We do SMS marketing as well, which is you can like have an app um, through your, we use Shopify. So there's like SMS and that also is amazing. Um, but our, you know, our main sale source would be Facebook retargeting ads and Instagram ads. And, and why do you think that is the case is, you know, that is it, do you think that this is specific for your product type or do you think yes. that this this can be uh, uh, work for other businesses also? no I mean like I have seen a lot of businesses do really really well with Facebook ads with like cold markets and stuff like that for me like people who know what our brand is that you know it's it's like a much more emotional connection so our like if somebody just finds us on Facebook they tend not to um, like purchase right away until it's like a retargeting ad um, and also, so, sorry, the question is why does retargeting work better for us as opposed yeah, is, to cold is market it, setting? Yeah, is it, is it that, you know, uh, 
that a person could it be that a person got pregnant today let's say it's their first month and maybe they're looking for the the clothing and this they found your site but then you know they're not going to buy that clothing until until like the next three or four uh, months okay <laughs> is, is that the reason or <laughs> no honestly uh people who find out about us when they're pregnant like generally don't tend to think about us very much they're like oh yeah for nurse like people don't really think about that but once you have a baby and you're like in pain and you like need help right now that's kind of when you're like looking so so like you know even um like i'll even have neighbors who will be like after two years be like oh i just heard about your company and i'm like really and she's like well yeah i just had a baby and i'm like oh okay because <laughs> like we've been doing this for a while already but yeah people tend to look for it like when they're facing the problem i would do have some people that like know about in advance but um yeah and uh, do you so so does that mean that you know once a person has done their pregnancy um they're they're not going of course you know if they're not pregnant they're not going to buy a come like a, as a repeat customer they're not going to come to your store and buy the that kind of clothing again or or do you have other products or other clothing that 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 can be sold later on also right okay that's that's great um so okay firstly we do tend to sell to a more religious crowd and religious people do tend to have more children and so we did you know we were definitely doing that up front because we did want to retain that relationship with them so Yes, they're definitely repeat customers. We have recently had a lot of demand from people who are like, hey, I'm done having a baby. I don't necessarily need breastfeeding clothes, but I know you. I like you. I like the quality and the fit. What do you have for me? So we've just started doing some stuff that's completely not nursing friendly. It's just regular plain old clothes. So that, that's a very interesting point. You, you said that your customer is more religious. Um, do you find that it's like, do you know that, you know, 80-90% of your customers who are buying from you are these religious people and, and are the, or do you also find that there are actually other people who, who are like the general public, let's say, uh, also buy your clothing? Mostly religious women, actually. And um, that's why also like word of mouth and influencer marketing and like specific, very, very targeted marketing has worked really well for us. We sell a more modest, pro we're like extremely niche. Like if you thought breastfeeding was niche, like we are modest breastfeeding niche, like where? So that's like okay. as specific as it comes. <laughs> but, you know, so for anybody who's like kind of scared to niche down, like you can do it. <laughs> wow. Wow. That, that's, yeah. that's really interesting. Um, yeah. Um, so I guess, I guess that would be one of the reasons why any of the marketing that you're doing, like on Facebook and, and these kind of things like that would be really, really targeted and, and is oh, it yes. easy, easy to, easy to find these people. Like when you go on Facebook ads, like you're able to, uh, pinpoint the, the your specific niche very, very uh, deeply. So, so again, um, our Facebook ads are mostly targeted at re like retargeting people. So we don't necessarily do a lot of cold market. We did in the past and we really just found that our conversion rate was not as high as if we put that same money into influencer marketing. So that is what I really, really focus on. I know that's like, you know, different than most companies, um, but that's really the truth. So we really, really focus our ads on like people who have been to the site, people who are lookalike audiences to people who have been to the site. And I don't spend as much time as I used to a couple of years ago trying to find that specific market on Facebook because I just know what works better for us. Okay. Um, and, I, and I know that you have started a Facebook community now. Yes. Uh, what is the purpose behind that and how does that work? What is the, is there a business objective to that? 
No, there's no business objective to that. It's really just goes hand in hand with our business. Our business serves women who are at a very vulnerable time in their lives. There's not much out there in terms of support for women who are just, they just had a baby. People are really tired. Uh, people are, you know, women are, are trying to um, understand their bodies, like their bodies look different than they did. And they kind of feel really pressured from the Western world to lose all this weight. And yet they're like exhausted and trying to take care of a new baby. There's just not, you know, people have a lot of issues with breastfeeding. What should they be eating? When do you start feeding? You know, there's just a lot of stuff that comes up. So we have a community that's just geared for those people for a very specific time in their life. And that's just kind of like, I felt that that was just a natural part of my business. Like that's what I want my business to do in the world is help people at a specific time. So it does not, we don't monetize that group. Okay. Uh, so now we're going to move on to our final segment, which is called rapid fire. And in the segment, I'm going to ask you quick, a few quick questions and uh, please try to answer them maybe in a few words or a couple of sentences. So the first question is, do you recommend any book for entrepreneurs or business uh, uh, executives in 2020 and why? Yes. Um, I really love this abundance book by Jen, John Randolph Price. Um, just a different way of looking at money. But my main thing would be like, read something you love that's not business related and just like develop who you are. Okay. So, and, and what is specifically about this book that you like? Okay. This is just a different way of looking at money, um, understanding where money comes from and just like expanding your abundance mindset. A lot of people are like trying to attract money, but yet they are doing or thinking or feeling things that would actually repel money. So I would say this is a great first step. There's other, a lot of other books that you could be reading also like Think and Grow Rich and things like that, but just to expand your prosperity consciousness. And even just to ask yourself, like, why do I want all this money? Like, what am I trying to do? Um, and how to just attract it into your life. Okay. Um, an innovative product or idea in the current e-commerce, retail, or tech landscape that you're excited about? Okay. I actually was going to answer this differently. I don't have a specific product in the tech e-commerce space, but what I am really excited about that is happening in our industry is that people are focusing more on developing themselves. And I believe that you as a person, the more developed you are, will bring the most to your business. So I'm just really excited that this is becoming more and more widespread. Perfect. Um, a productivity tool or software that you recommend? same along the same lines i do not get stuck in the small details of like this or that because people can really get stuck like which platform should i use what should i you know which email marketing like i just think choose something that you like that other people like and just go with it everything has issues everything has also pros and like do not get focused and bogged down on those kinds of things so i know i'm like not answering your question directly <laughs> no no i mean the one thing that i really like about your approach is that you know you don't want I mean, you're, you're really an entrepreneur where you don't, you're basically um, getting other people who know these softwares or tools to use them rather than you getting into them. And I think that's, that's probably the best approach. Uh, and it's also, well, it's not even that. It's just like whatever you choose, you can make it work for you. Like, yes, you can always get better, but like people get so bogged down by like, am I making, they'll research a certain software for six or seven days or it's like you could have made a lot of money in that time. So just choose something, go with it. If you need to switch later, switch later. Like just don't get stuck. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, a startup or business in e-commerce, retail or tech that you think uh, are doing great things? So I, again, wouldn't say in, in the, um, I would say I really like Steve Chu's um, whole entire like design and course. I like the fact that he's selling e-commerce things, selling 
courses around it. I really, really enjoy that. Um, I get inspired by it. I learn about it. And I also like that his approach is very, very real about the entrepreneur themselves and what success looks like and how to grow as a person as well. So that's been very inspiring for me. Um, a peer entrepreneur, a business person who inspires you? I really like looking up to James Wedmore. I really enjoy his approach. Um, also, again, being open-minded to your who you are inside as a vehicle to the success that you draw into your life. Uh, best business advice that you have ever received or you would give to other entrepreneurs? Do something that you really, really love and do something that you feel comfortable about. And I would say that your business success is a reflection of who you are as a person. So like we've talked about before, the more you develop yourself, your mindset, the things that are holding you back, the better you will do. Now you, you've mentioned, and this is the final question, you mentioned a few times mindset. What would what one mindset that you would recommend um, that maybe you have changed in yourself or you would recommend as, as, as something that other people can look into changing that would can, that can make a huge difference for, for them? I would say be who you really are. Don't look around you. Don't look at other people. Don't try to make other people happy. Be really, really true to yourself and honest about what your skills are, your passions. Like don't live up to other people's expectations. Do what really lights you up and what feels really authentic to you and you'll go really far. Perfect. Uh, so those were all the questions I had. Uh, Sipi, thank you so much for joining us today at Trip Talks. I really enjoyed talking to you. Thanks for sharing your story and all the strategies and tactics. Um, I definitely got to learn something new today. So thanks again for joining us. Uh, could you, uh, if you want to share your website, uh, your podcast link, or uh, please, please go ahead. Okay. Thank you so much for having me. This was really fun and you're a great interviewer. So thank, <laughs> thank you. you. Um, people could check out our clothing collection at havatribe.com. That's spelled H-A-V-A-H-T-R-I-B-E.com. Um, for any information you know about me or my podcast, you can go to my personal website. It's sippygross.com, which I will spell out. It's T-S-I-P-P-I and G-R-O-S-S.com. Um, the name of the podcast is The Greatness Tribe and come check us out. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you so much again for joining us today. Really appreciate it. Thank you.